Blog Talk Radio. everyone and welcome to Violet Reiki Radio. I would like to thank the founders of the Seika Network for giving me this wonderful opportunity to bring this show to the public each week where we talk about Reiki, all things surrounding Reiki, some of Reiki's history, uh, present day happenings in Reiki, as well as the many things that the founder of Reiki, Mikao Sui, was interested in during his lifetime here on Earth. Um, Reiki is universal life force energy. It is an intelligent energy of love and wholeness. It understands the cause of problems and what healing is necessary. The Reiki energy has a wisdom of its own, healing and balancing all aspects of a person's mind, body, emotions, and spirit. Reiki is a blessing, an instantaneously conferred sacred potential for healing, protection, and spiritual development. My name is Rose Jimenez, and I am your host. And for more information on Reiki, visit my website, www.violetrosereiki.com, or you can send me an email at rose at violetrosereiki.com. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+. Uh, God, there are so many. All the usual and, and normal uh, social networks. You can find me on Facebook as Violet Rose Reiki. I also have a Facebook page named Reiki Ward, which is for free distance Reiki healing. If you have any need for healing and would wish us to send you distance healing, all you need to do is find the page Reiki Ward on Facebook, type in your healing request, just like you would any other post to a friend's Facebook page or wall or what have you, and we will get on it right away. Usually, Reiki Ward does two to three rounds of distant healing per day at a minimum, 
and the requests that come in are then placed on our Reiki crystal healing grid and it's on the grid for 24-7 healing energy. So feel free to get a hold of us on Reiki Ward and um, put in a request. This evening, my guest is award-winning author, outstanding businessman, lecturer, John Harichiran, a wonderful person. Um, John is a unique blend of East and West, a naturalized U.S. citizen born in Guyana, South America, of East Indian heritage. He's truly a multicultural, global personality. Yet, with his professional background, he also exhibits a rare sensitivity and charismatic delivery, which have earned him well-deserved respect and acclaim. Now, I'm going to take a look and see if John is with us, and we'll get this underway. John, is this you? Yes, I'm on. I'm on. Well, good evening. Thank you for being here with me and accepting my invitation. It's my pleasure, Rose. So happy to have you here, John. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm noticing something these days. I've been looking over your, um, I'm always following what you're doing in your books and things, but it's amazing how everything that I've heard you speak about, know from you and of you, really does lend itself to a lot of the Usui teachings, which people don't really realize. A lot of people think that, um, you know, Reiki is just hands-on healing. It's just putting your hands on someone and sending them healing. And what they don't realize is that Reiki, when you become a practitioner and decide that Reiki is for you, it's really a personal and spiritual path. Those of us who are Reiki practitioners, this is what we've chosen to develop the personal and develop the spiritual areas of our lives. And hmm. this seems to me to be what you're all about. Am I right? Well, I tell you what, I've wandered the globe and met all kinds of people with all kinds of practices from deepest Africa where I met with witch doctors and saw their healing abilities to Native Americans, to Indian yogis, and to all kinds. And I think there is a commonality in all of these things. It's like, uh, take for example, being of Eastern descent, I love curry. Talking about curry, I understand that uh, Glasgow is a very famous curry place. So yeah. I've got to visit that again. Anyway, and what I find is that we all could have our preferences. We all could say, yes, I like curry or I like steak or I like just vegetables. But yet there's a commonality in all of them. There's a life-giving force. And Reiki is one way which uh, I think is a simple uh, a wonderful way, not that the other ways are not wonderful. Here we are not debating, uh, you know, like my dad could beat your dad, not that kind of thing. We're right. all part of the same thing. And if one feels he or she is drawn to Reiki, I think that's exactly what they should focus on. There are others, um, again, you would think 
because I'm of Indian descent, that I'd be drawn to yoga quite a lot. Well, I did study a lot of them under uh, Swami Purnanand. He was quite a fellow, and he taught me a lot of things. But uh, I do not practice yoga the way they do it. I practice it uh, in my mind mostly, just like I'm one of those guys who believe, I really believe somebody should start a business called Rent a Jogger, where you sit down <laughs> and and watch this jogger go around the track a number of times, and you get up and you say, that was good. Okay, what I'm trying to say, Rose, it's, it's not that one thing is the greatest thing on earth and all the others are nothing. It means that when you have deci- decided and when you have found a path that works for you, work it. That's all I think we're asked to do. And I think Reiki is beautiful. It has so many things that appeal uh, t- to me especially. I think yoga is great too, except, you know, I don't sit in the cross-legged pose anymore under the table and om until the cows come home. can't do that. I, oh, I don't the cows come home, huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I would look for something that fits me. And again, what you are involved in and what you teach and what you do and what you practice, I've experienced that. And I know it's beautiful and there's a commonality in all of them, just expressions, different ways of expressing. Just like, okay, I got a bunch of degrees, one of them in chemistry. And I know that in France, they pronounce the word for water differently than we do in English or in Spanish, where it's agua, it's English, it's water. But guess what? They're the same thing anyway. Now, that'd be a heck of a lot of problem. If the Spanish person would say to me, no, 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 that's not it, that's not it, You, you have to call it agua. And then I would remember, well, you know, the common thing for water, it's it's H2O. But even that's not pronounced the same. So what you have there is a tool that's beautiful. And if someone feels drawn to it, and the way one feels drawn to it is simplicity itself. First of all, check it out. You will find something within your heart saying, you know, I have the feeling that I could be a healer. I have the feeling that I could send energy. I have the feeling, I have the feeling this way, have the feeling that way, and suddenly it comes to you through some signs. I believe nothing by chance. You will be listening to something on the radio and you hear the word Reiki, or you'll be reading something and you'll read about it. And you say, hey, why did I come up with that? Well, an old friend of mine, Richard Bach, some people who are listening here must have heard of Richard. He wrote Jonathan Livingston Seagull and Illusions and uh, books like that. He and I, we go back over a quarter of a century. And I remember once, and he wrote this in a book too, I remember saying, Richard, where do ideas come from? And he looked at me, smiled, and said, the idea of fairy. I said, what? He says, yep. The walk fairy, the thinking fairy, the dreaming fairy, ideas are all around. And if somebody has an open heart and somebody wants to learn a way of doing good, both for himself or herself or for anyone else, Reiki is a wonderful tool. 
Right, and yeah, he wrote a bridge across forever, correct? Right. Yes. I read I read a lot of his books, and uh, from Jonathan Livingston Siegel, I remember when I was seventeen, uh, in the yearbook, my quote uh-huh. was, um, "If you love something, let it go. If it comes back, it's yeah. yours." If I it know. doesn't, it never was. And it's like, because a lot of times I feel people want to hold on to things that really never were theirs or never really had anything to do with them, but in their own ego or whatever it is, they want to hold on to that come hella high water. And it's that's not right. necessarily something that's good for them. And we're all afraid to release things, good or bad. We don't want to let it go. No. So... No, they are. in fact, um, I'm reminded of the song called The Gambler, which says you got to know when to hold them, you got to know when to fall them, you got to know when to, something like that, you know, walk, walk away. away. Yeah, you, you yeah. got to know when to run, you know. <laughs> run, Can you run, run. Yeah. So that's what it is with these things. And one will get a feeling, if if let's say if, I wanted today, let's say for whatever reason, uh, I came upon the word Reiki, and I said, this looks interesting. And if I really wanted to know what it is, I don't have to rush after it. It's coming to me. That's why I found out about it. And by coming to me, I moved towards it, and there it is, an encounter. And it might might become a very interesting thing for me. I think everything works that way. We do not have to run after what we want. Actually, it's seeking us as much as we are seeking it. And uh, if we were to get ourselves out of the way, that which we love will come to us. And it doesn't matter what it is. There are only three problems. Money, health, relationships. Now, I know Reiki is focused on healing, but not only healing. What what is poverty but an illness of the pocketbook or the bank account? What is sadness for lack of relationships? Well, it's the same thing. It's an illness where relationships are concerned. So the healing modality could be used for health, wealth, happiness, whatever. And Reiki is a fine tool to do that, or a method that is glorious. Yeah, and it's also, you know, Reiki is very simple, and I think what we need to do, I don't know whether we're all caught up in this propaganda dream, whatever have you, of more, more, better, better, uh, keep piling on more stuff. Like, I, I, I really do dislike the term multitasking because I don't know how anyone could multitask and be in the moment, be in the present, be in the now. So that's kind of doing us a, a disservice when we keep hearing, oh, you have to multitask and do a thousand things and, and you know, go very quickly. And it's like, you know... I think we all need to slow it down, really slow it down so that we are doing one thing at a time and we are in the moment. We are in the now. It's really the only thing that exists fully. Yeah. In fact, uh, I love this uh, little saying, the faster I move, the behinder I get. The behinder I get. (laughs) (laughs) But then from the Sanskrit, from the Sanskrit, comes, uh, I I keep these things not as mantras, but as reminders. They could be called mantras, if you will. But little, what I call little 
personal self mental self defense techniques like when i tend to hurry as we all do because fortunately or unfortunately we live on planet earth there are certain things we got to deal with certain uh, things we have to cope with and sometimes i get oh got to get this done get that and then from my little bag of tricks i pull this one do less achieve more true less achieve more and the end of that is do nothing achieve everything in fact um i first remember that again over a few decades ago when uh, deepak chopra and i were talking about such things he and i had some very uh, wonderful conversations he's an old friend and uh, i said you always look so unhurried deepak <laughs> You always you always look so totally relaxed, whether we're going to a lecture or whether you are meeting with uh, a prime minister or a prince or a fisherman. Um, don't you ever find the feel the pressure of uh, some of these things? And that's when he says, "Well, you know, I always remember the Sanskrit thing: do less, achieve more, do nothing." achieve everything. And when you think about it, a real master is probably able to do that. You know, the masters like the ones who say, when you can walk on water, take the boat. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. So you don't uh, sit down and say, okay, I'm going to turn off the light switch by just thinking about it. In fact, <laughs> this is weird. I had a student once, this many, many uh, years ago. And she was rather young, but always wanted to prove to herself that she had great psychic abilities. And one day she said, John, I don't understand. Why don't we just sit where we are and turn off the lights if we want to or turn them on? And I said, why? Why don't you just get up and flip the switch? <laughs> and I <laughs> I I think that was even before I wrote the book called When You Can Walk on Water, Take the Boat. So we don't have to prove anything to anyone. We don't have to prove anything to the universe. The universe doesn't care. It knows that we it's a playful thing, that what we're going through is an illusion or illusions. And if we believe them to be true, if we believe the pain and suffering, we're going to find a lot of that. But if we know for sure that that's not what is happening, we are creating this. It is we who choose. And when we get afraid, there are all these various energies working together to prove to us that we're afraid. And when we become afraid, when we fear, then we create after its kind. But if we're relaxed and say, meh, it's it really doesn't matter, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't do anything. We do all we can to solve a problem to get to what we want and uh, in fact um Reiki has uh, uh i would say a good thing in meditation also am I correct in that Rose I think so yeah yeah and, yeah, and yeah. i I was gonna say, yeah, you know there everybody has different things that they uh do like uh I'm sure you know Yanni Maniakis because I see we both like a lot of Yanni stuff on Facebook every day <laughs> i just Yanni, I just talked with just talked with him yesterday. Yanni's an old friend of mine oh I love him. he was 
he was on the show a while back, and he, you know, he says, you know, the meditation, he's very much into the meditation, and that a person could do three minutes of meditation a day, and it would greatly help them. And I tell a lot of my students this, like you said before, you don't have to sit there and ohm until the cows come home. People think, <laughs> oh, my God, you want me to meditate? I have to sit cross-legged on the floor. I have to hold my hands in mudras. I have to know what to say and ohm this and ohm mm. this. Whatever. And it's like, no, it's very, very simple. Um, you know, like in Reiki, we have the five precepts, which basically are do not get angry, do not worry, be grateful, work hard or diligently, and be kind to others. So if you take those five things, anger, worry, being grateful, kindness, working, you know, diligence, working hard, and kindness, compassion, those are terrific things to meditate on twice a day, in the morning and in the evening. And they work wonders for self-development. It's Again, it's so simple. People just, it, they think it's really complicated, but it's not. You know what a great um, mathematician, a French mathematician, I think, once said, Rossi said, God is simple, all else is complex. And it's true. When, when I heard that at first, I thought, well, what does that mean? And then I cracked up because it's so true. <laughs> this force that we call God, sometimes referred to as I am, or the, uh, the is, as Richard Bach calls it, the eternal is. Mm-hmm. Whatever name, it doesn't matter. But we've been given this playground, which is like, you know, it's a football game or a soccer game or a war game or a cop and robbers game or a love game. It doesn't matter. They're all here. Our job, and I said this in my books, I said the greatest job we have on earth is to make choices. Just to mm-hmm. make choices. And then I tell people, we make the choice and then let the choice make us. That's how it I think it works. Of course, I don't know that much about anything, or I probably wouldn't be here. <laughs> Wondering what I'm doing here. So uh, what we do, we share the little we know. We do it with all those five precepts you talk about. First, we should be kind. It should be our nature to be kind. Uh, and uh, when we do it because we expect something, we're sort of short-circuiting it until we learn a little bit more. Now, in my younger days, which is like, I was going to say centuries ago, but <laughs> not so, <laughs> decades ago, or uh, when I was in my teens or 20s and so forth, I remember doing a very strange but silly little thing. In those days, they didn't have uh, this automatic thing that opens uh, grocery stores or the food place or wherever when you walk in the door opens. So what I do when I get in there, if somebody was behind me, I'd hold the door open for that person. And uh, when they passed through, they'd say, thank you. And I'd smile and it felt so good. But then I noticed that every once in a while, somebody passes through, I'm holding the door and they just walk right through. And I felt annoyed. I held this door open for this person, and she was not even kind enough to say 
thank you for doing that. So I kept, I examined this for a while. I said, now why is it a, I'm annoyed when somebody doesn't say thank you? And I said, that's got to change. Am I holding it for somebody to say thank you? I shouldn't be. Why should I be holding that door open, John? Yeah, because it's your nature to do that. And it took me about a few months before I held it open for people, whether they said thank you or not, whether they smiled or not. You know who I was doing it for? For me. Because the good that we do, we do for ourselves. The evil that we do is ours alone. So if that's the case, why would I want to do bad things to people? Why would I want to hate? Why would I want... Because whatever it is, it comes back. And uh, somewhere, some place, angels or great beings are sitting and say, you know, I I have told John about that in dreams. I've told him about it 5,000 times. And he agrees that, yeah, that's true. And then he wakes up and he forgets all about it. And he gets annoyed if somebody doesn't say thank you. Same thing with people trying to pass you on the road, the highway. I used to get very annoyed. Look at this one. And in those days, I'd try to pass them back, (laughs) which was not a very wise thing to do. But we all learn or grow up after a while. And then now when they do, all I do is I smile and say, the best place for you, guy, is far, far away from me. And uh, so if we... Use what I call, again, good mental self-defense techniques. We will understand this. We will work with it. And after a while, these things become habits, and they save you from a lot of trouble. They really do. Talking about meditation and why Yanni is one of the top meditation experts I know, Plus, he's a dear, dear friend of mine. We speak about every week and are back and forth with emails. He's a great guy. And uh, he has a way, a very gentle, beautiful way of teaching uh, meditation. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's Yanni's way, and it works, and it will work for a lot of people. Here's another way. Deepak Chopra was a TM guy. Uh, he worked with the Maharishi in this, and uh, well, Deepak wanted me to go do a TM once as a gift from him many, many years ago. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. And he says, oh, no, you got to do it. It's great. So because he was my friend, what do I say? Okay. I'll do it. So I did. <laughs> and uh, after three days of this thing, the last day, they give you a mantra. And you are the only one who are supposed to know what this is. You must never forget it, and you must keep repeating it. So at the end of the whole thing, the ceremony, I left. I went to the parking lot and promptly forgot my mantra. To this day, I have no idea what it was. And I thought about it. I said, um, yeah, it was a good course. It was nice. I was able to sit there for a while, relax, and learn or try to learn. I'm not saying I'm above or below anyone else except from way back in the past, I had developed my own way of meditating. I had taught it to some people, and it works for some and not for others. It's this. I meditate all the time. I meditate all the time. Whenever I have a second or a minute, because whatever it is we're doing, 
We are meditating. We are focusing on something, whether we believe it or not, that that's what we're doing. When we're worried, what are we doing? We are meditating on the worries and the bad exactly. things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Instead of thinking, well, you know, maybe that wouldn't happen. Maybe this good thing will happen. And we will change our meditation to I am looking to the things that are beautiful, the things that are peaceful. And by doing that, i got to remember again, another little uh, self-defense, mental self-defense technique. Wherever you're looking, that's what you are, or that's where you want to go, or that's where you're you're, you're being drawn to. So, anyway, here I am. Ask me any questions. (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny because, you know, what you say is true. Really, in life, there are, you know, really three things that matter. Money, health, and relationships. Right, yeah. If you're worrying about all of these, you know, you're not in a good place. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, worry is, like, God, you know, if you're worrying about any of them, you're you're really in a bad place because, like the Reiki priests have said, don't worry. Once you stop the worrying about anything, mm-hmm. you really can feel like your chest come up because when we're worried, we're all, like, almost in the, uh, like, we're holding our breath, we're constricting our chest, and we're right, really... Yeah. You know, all that tightening and constriction, we're making matters worse because, you know, that doesn't do your body good. The blood doesn't flow right. Your nerves are Mm. shattered. So, you know, um, so now when you say those are the three things, what's Mm. the best way not to be worrying about problems? Should we say, well, okay, I have money, so all is good, or I have my health, all is good, and relationships. Um. Well, um glad you asked that because um, I think I like to talk about that a lot. Throughout the world, I talk a lot about it. <laughs> uh, the three problems, money, health, relationships. You look at them, they're like a triangle. There are three sides. And, uh, you know, we know from mathematics, if you make one side much longer, the other sides be uh, relatively shorter. If you depending on how you move them. When you move one one side, it affects the other two. If you have money problem, it affects health. It affects relationship. And uh, I think uh, somebody told me the other day we were discussing this. Said you know, John, a lot of relationship problems are because of money problems in a family. And I said, yeah, I thought I figured that out long ago. And then I said, a lot of health problems are because of relationship problems. A lot of relationship problems are because of money. And then it goes round and round. You have no idea where it starts. So how do we solve any or all three of these problems? Because generally, people will have one of the three or two of the three. I, however, had to be creative at one point in my life, and I had all three at one time. I had to be be either brave or extremely stupid because I had a relationship and my wife died. I had money problems. I lost my company and everything else. And as a result, so relationship and money, and then I was losing my health, all three at one time. And when you get into that, you tend to forget 
what it is you were looking for or what it is, who it is you are. So I developed something many, many years ago that was that has been used by some of the top people today. Uh, it was called the power pause. And my aim was this. I am. I. I don't think I should go around studying all these things. I'm going to meditate even if it kills me. See, <laughs> with that kind of an attitude, I can do it. And then I really can't sit for an hour or two and do that either. So I thought, is there something, a three-minute or five-minute procedure, that we can use to solve any problem? And I was in uh, Connecticut with a good friend of mine, Butch James, and uh, he and I were talking. He said, John, why don't you write a book, a relatively short book, about 100 pages, saying everything you know, telling people what are the secrets you know, what is it you have learned from some of the masters of the Far East, from some of the top people who have become friends of yours, everything you know but in such a way that it was a very practical book. And I said to him, Butch, everything I know, I could write that in two minutes. And he cracked up. And I came back home. But he kept bugging me. I said, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anytime we have a problem, we run around trying to find how to deal with it. For example, when my wife died, she was only in her 30s. I had the two children were seven years and 11 years. And I probably hadn't cooked a good meal in my... I was an expert on what they call TV dinners, you know, through Whoa. college. Yeah, <laughs> TV dinners, that's it. Ouch. And so when the kid, Now I had to cook and feed the kids. And it wasn't like before where... Uh, we were very well off. I had a cook, and we had a maid, and we had... No, i got to figure it now. Their mom isn't there. What do I do? I couldn't find a simple answer. I looked around again, and I thought, okay, uh, when I have a little health problem, as we all have one every now and then, uh, what do I do? Oh, when I have a money problem, they're so tied together, it's got to be a lot simpler than this. And out of that came the power pause. Three minutes, three steps to learn to solve any problem you have. And what I'm going to do now, Rose, I'm going to explain these three steps very quickly, but in a way that people who are listening tonight or anybody who ever listens to this would say, oh, my gosh, it is so simple. Why didn't I ever think of that? Well, I said that to myself, too, as I started writing the book in a kind of, not a parable form, but an extended uh, parable, if you will. Here it is, a problem. What is the first thing in solving a problem? Now you might say to me, suppose it's a money problem. How do I solve that? A little differently from a relationship problem? Look, I love this guy, or I love this gal, but the, these people, they don't want to have anything to do with me. How do I solve that? Just like I solve a money problem, but I don't have a money problem. I want to take care of the relation. So I said, here is how you solve any problem. And this is the gist of it. This is the $10 million information, but because it's so simple, very few people are tested out. Okay? It's just like because breathing is so simple, very few of us 
ever think about breathing until somebody puts your head under the water and holds it there. And then you say, what do you need? Air. I need air. <laughs> so first thing we got to do is break focus. And many of the gurus and teachers and masters tell you, you got to break focus with your problems. And they give you all these different ways to do it. And to me, those were always complicated uh, ways. Now, let me clarify, clear up one thing. It's not that I am against complicated things. I've done enough of them in my lifetime. Just to make sure our audience knows this, I've done lots of complicated things. I have chemistry business, MBA degrees and mathematics. So I must have studied some complex things. And some of them were fun. But I don't think when somebody is going through an illness or a loss of a relationship or uh, a, a health problem that it's a lot of fun while it's happening. It's an illusion, but it's not an illusion while you're going through it. So what I said, we've got to find a way to break focus because when we break focus, then we we don't have the thing holding on to us. And people would say to me, uh, ever, before I even wrote that, at lectures throughout the world, would say, but how do we break focus, John? Here it is. I'll give you an example. If I were to say to you, Rose, I say to you or those who are listening, I will ask you to do something, and it will only take about a minute. Don't think of the word hippopotamus for the next minute. If I were to shut up and wait, you'll find that most people couldn't help themselves. But the only thing they're thinking about is hippopotamus. I just did that, John. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You said that, and you started to, I'm like, my brain, I'm going, hippopotamus, hippopotamus. <laughs> now, here's the thing. If you try not to think of it, if you're in a problem and you try not to think of it, it's the only thing you're going to be thinking about most of the time. So how do you get away from that? Now, let me tell you one of my experiences and how I discovered how you get away from it. Uh, in my earlier days, I traveled a lot to Africa. I loved to go on safari. And I remember uh, the Serengeti Plains, one of my favorite, and Mombasa. And whenever I went to the Serengeti Plains or the... <coughs> excuse me the Gorongoro Crater, I'd look at the animals, and there in the distance, uh, when I came back from Mombasa, I'd look down at the bottom, and there were the elephants and the wildebeest and giraffes, and, uh, oh, they're all so beautiful, and they're way down there with the lions, and they're all getting along. For what happened, Rose, while I was talking? Your mind went from hippopotamus to giraffes to lions, right? Tell me if I'm right. It went wherever. Uh Right. So, if I had continued that a little bit, you wouldn't be thinking of hippopotamus. So, when you are faced with this problem, say to yourself, for the next minute or two, not I'm not going to think about this because that's all you're going to think about. But I'm going to think about something that was pleasant, that I enjoyed last week, last year, when I was a kid, or that I'm going to in the future, even if it means you're walking and you're looking at the clouds, or you sit under a tree, or at your desk, and you say, okay, I'll stare at my computer, excuse me, 
and everybody would think I'm working, but my mind is far, far away. I'm thinking about walking along the beach, holding the hands of my mate or somebody else's mate or whoever. And uh, I'm thinking the minute you start doing that, you're not thinking hippopotamus anymore. You're not thinking the problem anymore. You are thinking differently. And now some people say, oh, good, now I know how to do it. I will do it all day. I'll, I say, no, no, no. Just take a couple of minutes and do it. Because if you try it all day, you're going to be trying again. You don't want to do that. And if you're able to get your mind away from it for just a little bit of time, a minute, 30 seconds, two minutes, then you do the other magical thing. Let's say, let's pick an example. Relationship. Here's somebody who has no relationship, and he or she wants to have the greatest relationship on earth. And they're thinking about it. I'm going to this uh, meetup. I'm going to that. I'm going to go online and try the online dating thing, blah, blah, blah. Do you, you do that? And the more they think about it, the more they find it difficult to be drawn towards the beautiful relationship. First, you stop thinking about that by thinking about something else. Say, so, you know, I think it's a nice summer's day. I'm going to look through the window. I'm going to look at my computer and pretend I'm, I am just working, but my mind is going to be in the clouds or doing something else. I'm not going to be thinking about this problem. I'm going to be thinking about beautiful things. And then do a very simple thing. Feel, since we're dealing with a relationship, feel how you would feel. Not think how you would think. Feel the subconscious reacts much more quickly to feelings than thinkings. We are feeling beings much more so than thinking beings. We can think anything, anytime. We can think that, you know, there are monsters under the bed. We can think that uh, the stars are falling. or the, 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 We can think anything, but feeling empowers us. When we feel, now you might say, how can I just feel something? Oh, watch a movie and tell me what happens if you're interested. You feel what they're going through. You're caught up on the moment. So feel for about 30 seconds, a minute, how you'd feel if you had the right partner. Now, here it is. How do you do that? Well, just imagine. Say to yourself, I'm just going to imagine this. Whether it's true or not, what in the world is just 30 seconds or a minute or two or three compared to all the minutes in a day? Just for a short while. Whether it's true or not, I'm going to do it. How would I feel? Oh, my gosh, if I met the person I really love, I would feel, oh, that would be so beautiful. I will hold his hand or her hand. We'd walk by the beach. We will, oh, I, we'll text each other. We'll call each other. Or we'd get married or we will, uh, whatever it is. Notice what's happening there again, like the hippopotamus situation. <coughs> Excuse me. Had a slight, have a slight cold today. Got to use this method on it. Anyway. Well, you know what, John? I think what I'll do is let me take a short break because I okay. know, you know, we have we have to do these coughing, sneezing kind of things. I've got allergies today, so I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, we'll take a brief break and we'll come right back to this. We'll oh, continue. good. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. We'll be right back. 
going to take a brief break, folks. If you'd like to call in and chat with John and I, the call-in number here is 347-677-0699. Taking a one-minute break. We'll be right back. Listening to Violet Reiki Radio on the Seika Network through BlogTalkRadio.com with your host, Reiki Shihan Rose Jimenez, your source for all things Reiki in love, light, and healing. You're back with Rose and John. My guest this evening is John Harry Charan, an award-winning author and a multicultural global personality and very wise, wise man in addition. John, we're back. Good. Okay. We'll continue from where we were. They said there were three steps. First, and I gave an example of how to do it, break focus. Secondly, feel how you'd feel. Or imagine how it'll be if the thing you really wanted to have happen, whether it's a relationship or money. Take, for example, money. People are having a big problem with that these days in almost every country on earth. Well, here's one way of thinking about it. If instead of worrying about how I'm going to pay the rent or the mortgage or uh, the car pay, whatever it is, uh, and it's already almost overdue, just take a minute and say, you know, what would it feel like? How would I feel if I was able to just, oh, write a check? Or I wanted a new car and I go into the showroom and they said, um, well, uh, have you picked which one? And I said, that one. How much is it? And they tell me what it is. And I say, um, this is all I'm imagining now. <clears throat> because let's say you want a new car. Money. Problem. So think to yourself how you'd feel if you say, now, how, how do they say to you, do, how do you want to pay for that? Uh, who do you want to finance it with? And you look at them in your mind and you say, finance it? Do people still finance these things? Do you want a check or you want cash? See, you are just training the subconscious and superconscious and your conscious mind to think good things just as easy and a hell of a lot more fun 
than to think, oh, they're going to repossess the car. They're going to do this. I'll never meet the love of my life. I don't think this illness is ever going Instead of doing that, do what the guy once said. He said the optimist and the pessimist might both get to the same place, but the optimist has a heck of a lot more fun getting there. So it doesn't take any more energy to be optimistic. Because when you do that, you open up your entire mind to the universe. You start vibrating in uh, in uh, harmony with all that's good. Because that which isn't good is just, we call them bad, and it's the absence of goodness. So there's the two points. Then the third one, what's the third step in this process? Okay, most people will laugh when they hear what I say. The third step, after you've done the first, you break focus, you've done the second, you feel how you'd feel if the thing you wanted to have happen, happened. The third one is just to say, to stop, after about three minutes. Because if you continue too long, you'll trap yourself again. You say to yourself, thank you. Now, people ask me, who do you thank, John? I don't know. I really, whoever you want to thank, the universe. God, uh, don't think that God, I can't speak for God, I wouldn't be so arrogant, but I don't think God is sitting there saying, if I didn't thank God for my meal this afternoon, that God is sitting there and say, you know that, John? He's a bad guy. He didn't even <laughs> thank me for that meal. My feelings are hurt. Now, we thank God or we thank the universe, not because they want it or it wants it, because we need it. And by saying thank you, you are saying that, well, why do we say thank you? We say thank you when someone does something for us. We are assuming that the thing has happened. Immediately after that, you let it go and go back to be miserable for a short while and then do it again and again. And after, according to one of my friends, he was a very great guy who was a friend of Napoleon Hill, and Foster passed away a while back, but he used to say, a habit takes about 17 times to form a new one, break an old one. You practice this long enough, and it'll happen. And your problem will solve itself if you don't try to figure how to solve it. You don't have to figure how to do it. You just have to get out of the way. And all the teachings, the Yoga, yoga teachers of the world, the yogis, the reikis, the uh, tai chis, the everything you could think of, the Shambhala master, anyone, they all come back to this little secret which is so well known and not a secret at all. Get yourself out of the way. Remember that the thing you are looking for or running after is running towards you, but it can't get to you unless you get yourself out of the way, your doubts and your uh, concerns, and you're trying to solve it yourself. We don't have to do it ourselves. We have uh, the mightiest power in the universe with and around us. Now, that's another thing if somebody wants to debate that and ask me how I know, my answer would be darned if I know how I know. I just know that a certain murmur in the soul tells me this. And I found over the past years of my life that whenever I listen to me in quietness, 
I'm listening to the words and sounds and thoughts of the universe. And whenever I listen to the noise around, remember you said, Rose, you, you talked about the multitasking? Well, yeah. whenever I'm multitasking, as I try to still do to this day, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like um, I went to the grocery the other day and bought the lettuce and the... Um, uh, something else and whatnot, and I couldn't find them, and I unpacked. This was years, not the other day. Years ago, my wife sent me to get those things when she was alive, um, and I uh, came back, and uh, she asked me where they were. I said, where I normally put them. She found uh, the lettuce in the bathroom. She found <laughs> the... She found the, the tissue paper, the toilet paper, in the refrigerator because I was too busy thinking about all kinds of other things. I wasn't thinking of what I should be doing in the moment. You know, it's what the Zen master says. When you eat, eat. When you play, play. When you sleep, sleep. Whatever it is you're doing, do that. And so if we were to become a little bit of the Zen master, we won't be figuring everything out because they are figured already for us. When I say, uh, Rose, if I were to say, what is six times a seven? We can't sit down and say, now I've got to invent this thing. Six times seven, oh my God. Six times seven, the answer is 42. It's been there before I even asked the question. That's mm -hmm. why in some of the holy books it says, before they call, I will answer. Our problem is we don't ask because we're too busy figuring how is it going to be done. That's none of our business, how it's going to be done. All we do, get ourselves out of the way. And uh, I dare anybody to try this and tell me it doesn't work. Well, yeah, once in a while I find somebody who does that. Like guy who wrote to me, he says, you know, I bought your power paws. This was about 10 years ago. He says, but I want a refund because um, I don't think it works. So I said, could you please tell me um, really what part or what got you stumped? And uh, he, I suspected what had happened. He hadn't even looked at it, and then he sort of, uh, in a sheepish way, said, well, you know, I intended to uh, uh, read it, and I just quickly glanced at it, but I don't think it's going to work. Of course it wouldn't work. It's he like, didn't <laughs> you know, he didn't try it. So this little exercise, it's simple. It's simple, and people like uh, the late Elizabeth Kubler-Ross used it, I, she tried it, and she the next morning she said, John, this is amazing. How did you put this together? And I said, Elizabeth, she's a dear friend too. I still miss her. I said, you know something? It's all the things I have known from east and west, north and south, from the masters of the Far East and the saints of the uh, West, from everyone I came in touch with, from the jungles and the rivers and the fishermen by the sea, from all over, from the animals, the birds. This is what I learned. Here it is, three simple steps. We try to complicate all kinds of things. Now, I told you I was trained as a scientist, and one of the things that always amazed me, I was a chemist, you know, and I did my mathematics and so forth. One of the things that always amazed me when I asked my engineer friends about a project and to run a pipe from point one to point two, point A to B, 
they will go around about uh, a way that is so complex, and I'm sure there's a reason for it. And I always sat back and say, you know, uh, there's got to be a simpler way to do this. No, this is how we've been taught. Well, I don't always believe everything I've been taught. I had to rediscover and unlearn a lot of things. And uh, when we do that, we can get to what we were taught by looking at our beliefs, removing the doubts. Those are our enemies, doubts, fears. That's what they are. It's not that we live in a horrible universe full of wars. And uh, Yeah, there are wars there. Um, again, there was another discussion with Richard, Richard Bach when... Um, uh, in his book, he mentions something about, um, well, is everybody the same? Yeah, yeah, the, the hero said everybody is. He says, is the guy, the farmer in Thailand, the same type of person as the guy who works on Wall Street? Do they have the same problems, the same worries, the same everything? No. Each one of us is a unique individualization of the eternal almighty is or the force that brought us here. And if we were to learn to trust, and I love those five tenets of the Reiki, if we were learn, would learn to be kind, we do the things that uh, we, we are grateful, we trust, and so forth, we don't really have to worry too much. I think we worry because we are bored and we don't know what to do. We don't know how to enjoy ourselves. We don't know how to be happy. Either that or we keep putting our ego in the way. I mean, our, we can't get past our own egos sometimes. Well, many times it's it's like... <laughs> and it's like the ego isn't a bad thing because it was put there to help us. But we have given it so much power that uh, it's... Like it takes control of us. We forget that we are in charge, not any of these parts of us. The body did not create me. The eternal I created the body. My thoughts don't create me. Now, I know there are a lot of people who would argue with me about this, but we create our thoughts. We get trapped in them. All we have to do is realize that our thoughts don't have us. We have our thoughts. And if they're ours, we can change them. We are not trapped by our beliefs. We only have them. And since we have them, we can examine them, and we can change them to more positive beliefs. And our whole world would turn out to be a glorious adventure with all good things, money, health, relationships doesn't mean we won't have some trials and some testings, but what we're doing is we're growing. We're growing, and that's all we got to do. We make it so complex. It's really simple. It's really, really simple, yeah. It's like at one time I was getting so upset because the money flow wasn't flowing the way I would like it to and the way I thought it should and everything, and bills were due, and... Mm. I was, I was, you know, in my own mind, I was going crazy. And all of a sudden, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop. So I said, okay, let me, let me think for a second. And I thought, it's like, um, okay, so what's the problem here? The problem is that, uh, A, I'm 
I'm scared. Why am I scared? I'm scared because I'm not trusting. And so why am I not trusting? Because, well, I'm doubting what I know to be true. And it's like, okay, so just breathe, center yourself, basically get a grip, Rose. (laughs) Center yourself, breathe again, and let it go. And that's exactly what I did. And it took no more than like two, three minutes. And within about a minute's time of doing that little mini so-called meditation, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, things started to flow. I got uh, one phone call wherein I made five sales. And all of a sudden, I had over a couple of hundred dollars come in. And all of a sudden, my worries about, I'm not going to be able to make my bills. Ah! It was gone. It was gone. It was gone. And and life yeah. went on, you know, as usual. And it was like, oh, thank you, God. You know, I always say yeah. thank you. Always. When I got my car years ago that I needed desperately because my, my car at the time had died, blew a gasket, had mm. gasket. And I, I managed to, through a friend, get another car. I was so thankful. This is a true story, John. I am not lying. Every uh, morning when I got in my new car, I sat down, and the first thing I did was look up and say, thank you, every single day for like the next two years. <laughs> you see? And that's a part of the, uh, I wouldn't say program, but of the formula. With the more we are grateful, and we don't have to have any special thing to be grateful for. We can be grateful because it's our nature to be grateful for the air we're breathing. Uh, In fact, for every new day, I remember Zig Ziglar uh, once at a lecture where I was. He said, he was talking about how people get over this. He says, if you don't think every day is a good day, try missing one of them. And I don't know why, from many years ago, that stuck in my mind. So there are things to be grateful. There's no power that could overcome us unless we let it be. You know, it's like standing in the rain and say, oh, my goodness, I'm getting wet. What am I going to do? The whole world is ending. I'm so wet. There's nothing I can do. Well, what you do is you go under the, you go through the door, go into the house or something, or oh, get an umbrella. Don't just stand there and think, oh, my goodness. Sometimes we do, and I'll leave you with this little thought. People pray for things. We all know a little bit about prayer, and some people know a lot about it. But when we pray, it's really what we're, our hearts are yearning for. And sometimes, and you pointed it out right, sometimes we don't get it right because we're so scared. We're so scared that bad things are going to happen. And... I just want to call to your attention or to the attention of your audience. This is like the lady who come, goes to her window every morning and she looks through the window and she says, Dear God, I pray that we have a beautiful sunny day today. And then, thank you, God. And then she looks out to the window and she says, But I know it's going to rain. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I hear people complaining, moaning, groaning, and, you know, uh, yeah, I don't have this, I don't have that, and life is so horrible. And I'll always say to them, you know, when you woke up this morning, you were breathing, right? And they're like, yeah. I said, you opened your eyes and you could see, and you could hear the birds chirping outside, right? Well, yeah. 
And when you went to get up from your bed, your body, you were able to move. The arms worked, the legs worked, right? And they say, you know, yeah, so where are you going with this? I, mm. Just by virtue of the fact that all of those things occurred, you've got everything you ever need. It's like, that's Brilliant. a blessing in and of itself, okay? What more do you want? You have your health. You can see, you can hear, you can move. Do you know how many people wish they had any one of those components? Absolutely. And we take them for granted. Mm-hmm. And we forget. We forget to be grateful. I once put together a series called the 12 Power Principles. In fact, Yanni listened to it a number of times. And mm-hmm. that's years ago. I don't even know if it's still around. And it gives 12 principles that are so powerful, the principle of belief, the principle of inspiration, principle of whatever it is is there, of um, knowing when to let go instead of just holding on and holding on, holding on when there is a time to let go of things. All things change. The only permanent thing on earth is change. People say, you know, I used to have a job 80 years ago and I lost it. And to this day, I'm looking for a job like that. I can't find it. Well, why don't you look for another thing? Maybe the job came and went because it was not going to be around any longer. You know, you don't make buggy whips anymore. You don't right. have... Uh, there are lots of things that change. So we have to learn to adapt to adjust, to have an open mind. I'm not talking about metaphysical things because I don't think there's much of a difference between metaphysical or spiritual things and the things that we are. I think we are spiritual by nature. We have access to all these things. We can dream solutions. People wonder about that. You mean dream things? Yeah, what's wrong with that? There are references through all the holy books from the Bible to the to the um, uh, Hindu scriptures and about dreams. Oh, and it worked with me too. I graduated in chemistry with a summa cum laude degree in chemistry. Nobody had ever done that, and I did it not in the four years they took, in a little over two years. How did that happen? Was it because I I had a great intellect? No, I did, didn't have it. But every once in a while, I'll know what the things would be. For example, I remember this very well because I use this. I tell people, I say, you know, I had to go do this this uh, exam, and I couldn't, uh, uh, I didn't have the time to study for it. And it was uh, the final. And I knew I wasn't going to make it. I was going to get a C or a D or mess up my entire average. And I went to bed, and I got calm, and I said, you know, I know all this stuff. And at night, during the night, I had this dream. I saw the page number of the textbook I was supposed to read. All I saw was that page number and chapter number, nothing else. And I got up early in the morning, and I opened the book, looked at that chapter, and thought, okay, only about 10 pages in this. I'll read this before I go to the exam instead of studying the entire uh, four or five hundred page book. I read it, I went to the exam, and what was the main question in it? 
exactly what I read in the, the chapter. I got it from a dream. We are saved yeah. by a lot of things in dreams if we were to trust them and train ourselves to get the data. So we got all the tools, Rose. I just um, think we should choose one or two or three and use them. It's true, and we don't really, we don't trust ourselves, I think. I think what you said is correct. We are spiritual beings having a human experience, but we don't trust that, you know, we are right. Go with that, you know, that feeling you have. We, I don't know whether it's been, you know, beaten out of us, um, you know, removed or what have you. But, um yeah, it reminds me of the Einstein quote. The intuitive mind is a sacred gift, and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We've created right. a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. And what I think, they should both work together. Exactly. It would be so good to have both parts or uh, areas of the mind do that. And the mind is so capable of doing so many things. Because well, it's like and, one is from the left side of the brain, the other is from the right side of the brain. Don't you want them both working in balance? <laughs> That's one really of my lectures. I tell people, I said, uh, people ask me if I'm right brain or left, and I said, I don't know. Why don't we just use the whole darn thing? Yeah, I mean, really, and like that's what Reiki is about. It's all about balance. And I remember when I was younger, I kept saying, well, why why am I not getting this right? And I kept hearing the same word over and over again, balance. Get balance. Mm. Okay, I have to get balance. Um, again, fear, you know, what do I know about balance? I'm not going to get this right. And you, you talk yourself out of it. Yeah, you assume that it's going to happen before it even happened. Reminds me of... Um uh, Mark Twain, I like Mark Twain. He says, you know, I'm an old man, and I have seen many troubles, most of which have never happened. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's like today I gave someone some advice. She uh, was telling me about this guy that she went out to dinner with him last night, and she likes him, and she knows him from before, and she was, you know, what do I do? Oh, my God. I said, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. Do nothing. Nothing. <laughs> like, Absolutely what? nothing. I said, have you heard, I said, I'm a very strong believer in this. I said, have you ever heard of people who meet and maybe for whatever reason the girl doesn't like the guy right away or vice versa and mm. they, they you know, have a chit-chat or something and one of them is, you know, and, and the chemistry is there, but, you know, they go their separate ways and then all of a sudden, lo and behold, 10, 20 years later, they meet up again. And now this takes off like a rocket, and they start dating, and, and they wind up married. I said, have you heard those stories? And she said, well, yeah. I said, okay. I said, as far as I'm concerned, if two people are meant to be together, come hell high water, omen cows, they will be together. I said, do nothing. No doubt. No doubt. You don't In have fact, to lift my... a finger. My my life is an example of that. The gal I loved when I was a teenager couldn't stand me. It didn't, uh, you know, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. I really, really, we're young, we're teenagers, and I really like this gal. But she couldn't stand me. She told her friends that that guy, John, I don't know, he keeps trying to get me to talk to him. I don't like him. I wish he'd go away. And uh, 
there was something that said to me, you know, you're going to marry that gal. And But what I had to do was very interesting. I left the old country, and I came over to go to college. Now, when I went to college, I got distracted. Sometimes we got to distract ourselves from problems. I got <laughs> distracted by, guess what, pretty girls. Mm. And so this one sort of disappeared from my mind, but was always every once in a while it will come back. And then years later, exactly what you said there, years later, we met in New York, and uh, then the magic really happened. Because you know what? If it had happened before, it never would have worked. We were not ready. The universe <laughs> brings these things together at the time that's perfect. And then we had what you call the fairy tale marriage. And out of that, we, we had our two kids. The only problem was she died too early. She wasn't even, she was still a teenager when we got married. And uh, it, uh, but that was, people asked me, was, was she the love of your life? And I said, yep. She was a bright, shining star of my life. Yeah. That would not that would not have happened had I, had I not um, let it be. Yeah, that which must be, you know, has to come, it will come together in the universe's time. Like a friend of mine said once, oh, such and such happened. If you don't like it, you know, um, we could redo it or something. And I looked at him and I said, look, it's not about what you want or what you like. And it's not about what I want and what I like. It's about what is to be. And that's what it is. And, and, you know, if we all accept that or think in that way, we'd be a lot happier, we'd worry a lot less, and we'd anger a lot less, for one thing, because we have no control. We think we do, but we have no control. So if we have no control, stop trying to get it or, or exert it. Just let it flow. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that we're over an hour. Is this about right, um, Yeah, I usually I, I add on uh, a half hour for callers, and I see we okay. just have one. We have one caller, which I'm going to take right now. Okay. Good evening, Joseph. You're on the air with John Harichran, and of course Rose. Good evening, Rose. Good evening, John. It's a pleasure. I actually called in early in the very beginning because there was some technical difficulty. Uh, I couldn't hear John for a few seconds. He faded out, in and out, and I wanted to call you, but I didn't know what number to call you at, and I didn't want to disturb the, the, the broadcast by calling your, oh, well. your phones. But anyway, it, it, it cleared up. I want to say that my father, this has been one of the best shows. I love all your shows, as you know, and I listen religiously every week. But t tonight, I'm, I am so blown away. John's wisdom and his beautiful semblance. I'm seeing his picture before me, and you know I can read mm. people, and he just has a beautiful soul and a beautiful spirit, and I'm yeah. honored to listen to you, sir. Your words of wisdom have really moved me, and I hope many people were listening tonight and take your advice and the little steps that you pointed out. It was magnificent. I commend you. I salute your divinity. Namaste mm. and all the beautiful things to you. I'm sorry about Thank the loss you. of your beautiful dear wife. I saw a picture of you guys. I assume that was you and her when you were younger. And yes. I just, uh, I feel your pain. And I want to thank you for bringing us this beautiful wisdom that you brought tonight on this broadcast. And Rosie, you know I love you. What can I say? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love you. No, thank you so much for your kind words. That's You're so welcome, beautiful. sir. Great. All right. Well, thank you, Joseph. I'm going to let you listen to the last five minutes of the show. All right. Take care, sweetheart. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, Joseph. Okay. Yeah, that is my friend. I know Joseph for long, long, 31 years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he was my, my introduction into the spiritual world. He helped me, you know, follow my path, which I kept saying to myself, this is craziness. Uh, but he, he I didn't realize head. that the 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 connection was not that great because yeah I I, I didn't realize either and too? yeah sometimes we have that problem uh, with the show and uh, mm. I didn't know I'm but sorry. Uh, well that's all right we'll just have to have you on again John. Um, <laughs> <laughs> As yeah. you can see, as you can see, Rose, I just talk about simple things. But you know simple what? It, things. I think things need to be simplified. I think people, yeah. and a lot of times, um, I'll even say in, in in the Reiki community, I notice people tend to embellish. They uh, tend to complicate. They tend to add a lot of stuff on to whatever it is that they're teaching or whatever it is they're trying to promote or mm-hmm. sell or do. Yep. And I think the whole thing behind that, I sound like I'm on the ego soapbox, but I think the whole thing behind it is ego. Look at me. Look at look at how wonderful yep. my stuff is. Look at how much better my stuff is. And it's like, but that's not what life is about. And it's just really simple. And, and we try and overcomplicate it. Agree totally with you. In fact, it's again you had mentioned it earlier. It is the ego at times, or it's like for me to to really know who I am, people have to accept and treat me as such. No, they don't have to. In fact, I told you I, I, we all evolve as we go along, and it got to the point where it no longer matters to me what someone thinks of me. And here's another one of my self-defense, mental self-defense techniques. What uh, I say to myself, what you think of me is none of my business, but what I think of me, what I think of me is the most important thing in the world. So that makes it possible not to be hurt by what people say because no one can really hurt you. And if you're hurt, it means that you're hurtable. If, That's uh, right. I say that to many people. He hurt me. You hurt me. This one hurt. I said, no, 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 you've got that wrong. No other person has the power to hurt you. You give them the power or you allow right. them to hurt you. But if you say to yourself, I take away the power and I am not going to allow anyone to hurt me in my life, You've just kissed hurt feelings goodbye. It's a, it's the way you have to deal with it. Uh, in my earlier days, again, I didn't really. I'd get a little annoyed when in a lecture somebody comes up and starts arguing about a certain point. Until it didn't take me long to figure out um, that I don't have to debate anything. I don't have to worry about what anyone says about me. If they don't like it, well, you know, um, go leave. 
don't listen or stay there. Close your eyes and pretend you're listening if you want to show that you're a nice person. Uh, if you don't like my book, don't get mad at yourself or anybody else. Burn it or return. better yet, return it for credit to the wherever you bought it from. So if we do that, it's what I call, <laughs> and our friend Paul likes this. Paul Sutherland. He, My darling brother, Paul Sutherland, yes. Right, yeah. Paul's a great guy. Um, yes. He likes it. He even put it on his uh, site once. And uh, I developed this years ago. It's called Sometimes We Just Have to Develop a Divine Don't Give a Damn Attitude. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really and, true. You know, like they say, if you don't like something, you don't like a television show. Don't complain about it. Don't watch it. If you don't like a post that someone put up on Facebook, just go away from it. Don't don't look right. at it. You're, you know, we want so much control, yet at the same time not realizing that we are in total control. <laughs> yeah, because it really doesn't. I see all kinds of stuff, and if there's something put up on my page, and once in a while somebody uh, goes on my Facebook page and says, what gives you this, the authority to do this, to say such a thing, and how can you prove it? Now, I don't intend to have a pen friend because if I answer that, it'll start a debate. I don't have time. I go yeah. to a place where it says delete, click, yeah. and it's gone. Because yeah. if if I let my feelings be hurt, it means that I'm hurtable. But if I just let it pass by, you know, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't stay and make a nest in your head. And so that's right. how we should deal with these things. And if right. we do that, life life will be a glorious adventure. It is that. It's just that we don't see it because we're too busy defending ourselves. I don't know what we're defending ourselves from, but we're busy <laughs> defending ourselves from everything. Instead of saying, nothing can hurt me. I was put here for a purpose that only I, in this entire world, only I am able to fulfill. The other thing is, I can't leave this game until I have accomplished everything I came here for. No matter how much I want to, when I'm, uh, when it's time, when I have done my work, whatever it is I chose, then I can leave. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross used to tell me that a lot of times. She uh, she'd say, you know, nobody nobody can leave unless they have finished their unfinished business. And uh, she lived that. She's quite a, quite a wonderful person. It's true. You know, I had gotten called out years ago by a Facebook friend, and I always say Facebook friends in quotes because a lot of these people, they friend you on Facebook, but they're really not truly friends in the, in the true sense of the word friend. Mm. And she had called me out on my page, uh, for not being very loving, and for someone who's a love ambassador for the Love Foundation, I wasn't being loving at all. And I said, "How you know?" I said, "You know what? Let's take this discussion off the walls, and you know, take it into a private message, and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll yeah. straighten this out with you." But no, she was on a mission, and finally, I said, "Okay," and I told her in a private message, "I'm going to delete you now," and I did. 
And, um, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, I'm not into drama. I'm not into causing a scene right. and a raucous and a mess, especially in a public forum. And uh, months later, a mutual friend of ours said, oh, you know, please love so-and-so. And I said, well, I do love so-and-so. So she said, but you've deleted her and blocked her as a friend. I said, it doesn't mean I don't love her. There's a boundary. There's I love you, but I will not tolerate you doing all kinds of nonsense and drama in public with me. But I still love you. Yeah, or what I say at times is one of my self-defense techniques again, uh, my mental self-defense techniques, I love you, but far, far away. Far, far away. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that was, that. Was, yeah, I also, I said, yeah, I love her, but from afar. I love many people from afar. It doesn't mean that you have to be up close and personal and in all my business right. and constantly with me. But, yes, I, I love a lot of people from afar. I love everyone, but mm, let's not get that close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's okay to be that. People think you've got to be like a saint. Well, I've known some people you would think they were saints. But, uh, well, here's a, you know, everybody knows who Mother Teresa was. Right. And uh, many people know who Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was. Right. And uh, she and she and Mother Teresa were good friends. And one day I'm spending the weekend with Elizabeth at her place in Arizona, and there's a picture of her and Mother Teresa. Uh, they were just sitting at this table having tea or talking or something, I don't know. And I said, oh, boy, I wish I was there. I wish um, I, I wish I got to know her. I had met her. And Elizabeth looked at me, who was in her own right a fantastic woman. She looked at me and said, in her <laughs> wonderful uh, accent, she said, Swiss accent, she said, uh-huh. if you knew Mother Teresa like I know Mother Teresa, you would not think that Mother Teresa was a Mother Teresa. <laughs> and I cracked up because oh we, my all, God. we all have our little faults. We yeah. all, and they're not faults. I, they're like, um, you know, peculiar to us. And we have to be kind to ourselves and those who have them. Because uh, the people I know, not many of them I knew personally, and uh, not one of them is a saint. I haven't met a saint the way they define saints, but I have met fantastic people who love others, who help others, and who do the best they can where they are. They don't try to be anything else or anybody else. They just want to be themselves as brilliantly and as beautifully as they can, because no matter what, we cannot be anybody else. We can only be us. Everybody else is taken already. They can well, be. Well, to me, that's that's called authenticity. I mean, I I have been around people who, in the spiritual community, in the Reiki community, and a lot of people will say, if I say something like, if I get angry once, I'll say, oh, you know, damn it, and somebody will say. Well, that's not very Reiki-like, or that's not very spiritual-like. And I'll always say, listen, if you see someone, I would rather deal with someone who is more like myself, who is authentically themselves, and mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't put any fronts on, doesn't put any phoniness on, because I have seen people walking around with their hands folded in front of their heart, 
and they speak in very soft voices, and they give you all the lines, you know, love, namaste, yada, 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 and they want to be bodhisattvas here on earth, and I'm like, if somebody's walking around talking to you like that, chances are, uh, no, you know, because... Yeah. It's what it's what you are. I may say damn it or whatever, whatever, but if you were on your last leg, had nothing, had no one, came to me and asked for help, I would do everything in my power to help Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And that's the measure of the person. That's your the measure of who you are. I remember walking along one day uh, having this conversation with this Eastern uh, master. And we're walking, and things came up, and he says, oh, boy, holy crap, damn it. (laughs) I looked at him, and uh, he says, there's a twinkle in his eye. I think the lesson was more for me. He said, did that surprise you? You ought to hear me really swear. (laughs) And he cracked up, and I thought, (laughs) I like this guy. (laughs) I like this guy, yeah. And you know that someone who's real is is sincere and to me there's nothing better than real authentic and sincere that's what i want in my life yeah and this yeah. is a guy who wielded tremendous control over the elements this is a guy who walked on water right people wow. people have said to me have you ever seen anyone walk on water and i have to say yeah yeah so so Ooh. you know he just walked on water we could do that too if we wanted to I well, John, they're counting, they're counting me down here 60 seconds. I want to thank you so much for being my guest this evening. It was wonderful. Your wisdom is just boundless here. I, I love it. It's great. And uh, <laughs> Thank you. Everybody, you can find John. His website, I believe, is insight2000.com. Is that correct, John? Yes, that's correct. And he's on Facebook and, and all over. And we'll have you back sometime soon, John. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, and it was a pleasure. Goodbye, all. Bye-bye. Bye.